This episode is sponsored by Care.com. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash brain candy when you subscribe. Hey girl, hey. Hey. How you doing? What are you doing? Are you melting? Oh my God. It's so hot in Cali. It's hot, but that's all right. But you're cool. I am cool and it's 248. Somebody wrote on our Brain Kitty Crush that they were mad that I banned the rhyming. Right, because don't think I don't do it in my head every time you say that. So I'm doing it too, people. It's still happening. The girl said, or the woman said... That that was her favorite part of the show. And I'm like, if that was your favorite part of the show, we have bigger problems. Maybe than- get a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> that might satisfy the craving for some rhymes. But I think that people like your whimsy. Thank you. And Except Susie. No, I'm I liked kidding. it I'm for, kidding. what was it, well, 200 episodes. Only so many words rhyme with eight exactly. and seven and five. So that's why, like, when you're a graduating senior and you come up with like one of those phrases, did you have those at your school where it was like, no, because I was never a senior. Oh, okay. Well, my, I graduated in 97 yeah. and it was like 1997 going to something about heaven. Okay. And I was like, what? Yeah. And they probably did that in 87 and 77. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody, though. Um, happy to be here. Me too. Uh, and always uh, you make me feel better about everything do all I? the time oh my that's god that's so weird because you know how i'm like the curmudgeon i i don't i you would don't be, mind no it's like it's nice you're not curmudgeon-y to me <laughs> that's true i mean everything you say cracks me you're up my biggest so. cheerleader in fact. that's for sure that is for sure and i didn't like when you were away it was too long oh yeah and i agree too far i decided i don't even think i like vacations <laughs> Like, I really don't. Like, when, I did too. I came to this conclusion. I was myself. like, you know what I like? My house. Being comfortable. And I like not being somewhere that's not my bed. And then I just don't like how it's like, I mean, this pillow isn't the right pillow. And, and then I noticed that the older I get, I was thinking about this. This is like total. This, you're just getting stream of consciousness fine, at this point. Fine. When we were in Italy, oh my God, one thing I didn't tell you about, they lost our fucking luggage. Oh, I did see that on Landon's Insta. Like, they were like, we were getting on a boat the next day at noon. And they're like, sorry. So when do you come back from your boat trip to pick up your luggage? And so in a panic, we went out and went to H&M and just random stores and like bought enough to just survive. Like bathing suits, some, you know, stuff. I needed underwear. So I bought underwear from H&M, a cheap packet of underwear, nine, three for nine dollars, whatever. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I, they were, the tag alone was so itchy. I could not think about anything other than my uncomfortable underwear the whole day that I was wearing them. And then I thought about there was a, t- a long time in my life where I put beauty and like look and lacy, like frilliness and, and uncomfortable underwear that I bought from Forever 21 <laughs> over, over my comfort. For a long time. Like yeah. I was wearing, we're like, I don't even know if anybody was seeing them, but underneath I was wearing like, you know, lacy. Un- There's not a single part of me that wants to put on a pair of those underwear again, where I was like, I would sit with my crotch all uncomfortable all day long and itchy, lacy, whatever. I'm like, okay, I understand why people move towards the granny panties because it's like my tolerance for things that make me uncomfortable is so low the older I get. 
I totally get that. Luckily, though, the, I mean, you can get comfortable uh, and beautiful underwear. Where? Third love, you oh my know God, this. I've only, I'm, like, I have their bras. I know. I need their underwear. I told you. Dude. I remember how I'm I said sick of it. I got the panties and the robe, and too. And they're cute, too. Because I have a cute. comfortable bra now that also looks sexy. Exactly. I caught my underwear in the mirror, and I was like, Right, need a new pair. That's the okay. thing is that you can be comfortable and look fantastic. Please Poor Sarah. Oh, she yes. thinks she has to go to like... Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, not with the H&M undies. Third Love has the perfect fit for whatever bra size you wear. They have half sizes. They have the most size bras of any company. Um, they just added 24 new sizes. What? The industry leader. They have a total of 70 sizes. Oh my God, that's amazing. And they have a Fit Finder quiz. You just take it real quick, few questions, and they can figure out your size. And it's really fun because you're probably wearing the wrong size. You are. And like I said, I really am a. I am wearing them right now. I should show yeah. you. Oh, okay. Let me see. These ones are nude. Yeah. Look at me. I'm oh, like, that's what I want. But they're oh, still that's like nice. pretty. Yeah. Oh, it's a good material. See, that doesn't look. Yep. 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 Yeah. I want that. Okay. Third love. No, Those are sexy. Perfect bra or undies for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash brain now to find perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash brain for 15% off today. And that's the only bra that I wear now. But I didn't mean to hijack your story about your undies. But so what happened with your... um, Oh, my luggage. Yeah. So, okay. So we go to the the in Italy they're notorious for losing luggage because Are they? for real Mike we knew as a family whenever we would take trips my mom's like that eh, luggage is going to be lost so bring pack an extra yeah and without fail every time we went to Italy a bag would get lost and oh. wouldn't it's like they're like Italians. Are you a smart traveler like do you yes. put it in your carry-on most of the time uh-oh this was the first time in my whole life that I did not do that Sarah first time Suze. I never never ever not done that. What happened? You just were hoping for I the best? I was trusting because we were flying first class. Yeah, So yeah. I was like, there's no way that those bags, they got the priority stickers. They throw those all in one bin, yeah, they baby. they don't give a shit. No. So. <laughs> there's not like a first class right. luggage They're area. Like, whatevs. We just aren't looking as hard through these for drugs. That's maybe <laughs> the only perk to having a priority tag. <laughs> right. Even though they should be checking those bags more. Yeah. For real. Sarah and her vape pen oh, or whatever. for goodness sakes. Do you travel internationally with that thing? Uh, I did. And I <laughs> As a matter of fact. and put it in his bag because I was too nervous. Because <gasps> he's like, this doesn't matter. What's Who cares? that movie from a while ago with Claire Danes? Yeah. Like Palace. Broke, broke down, down Palace. Palace. Well, I'm not going to Thailand with it. I'm making sure to do it going to a country where it's also legal. So it's like, you know. Is it? In I don't Switzerland know. or Zurich, it is. Like, but I don't know. Whatever. Oh my it's God. Like, don't brush it off. This is important <laughs> information. I love that you made him put it in his bag. Like, you're like, yeah. oh, what? It's fine, but put it in your bag. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't run any risks. I have my job to think about. You are in the booze business. People expect that from you. <laughs> Did he care? Or what, no, he doesn't care because he was like, this is not a big deal. And they're not looking for that. And nobody Do cares you put, about like, your little. The- and it doesn't even look. It's like not even. It's like so low dose. It's not even like a. It's not like I'm, I'm like taking a. It's like no. It's like here's I a like gummy. I like when you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like whatever, whatever, whatever. But you got your bag, right? Uh, so before but, the boat, but how we had to get it. So we like are in a panic and like mm-hmm. looking for clothes and everything and like. Landon wants me to find a bathing suit for the trip. I have like one hour to shop. 
as a woman, yeah, that's tough. You all, you all, uh, everyone out there knows that to find the summer bathing suit is a four month process Absolutely. that starts in January. <laughs> that and I've now tried on and bought every single one and returned seven and like yeah. to find the perfect bathing suit. And you want me to find one in an hour? That's insane. And, and then he was upset because I like tra- not upset but like frustrated because I like went to four different shops and couldn't find one yet. He's like, just buy. I feel like you're setting the bar too high. Just find anything. They should make a movie about that and call it Mission Impossible. I'm like, dude, you're asking me to do one of the most stressful things that a woman can possibly do. Yeah. And do it all in a matter. And now I'm going to be on a yacht in the Amalfi Coast with my gross, the ill-fitting, first, the bathing, <laughs> like, and I don't have a body that I feel like is easy to fit. Like, you know, when you're big on the bottom and small on top, they don't really make stuff like that. For, yeah. And everything's like European sizes where they, I'm like, forget it. And also one pieces are not popular in Italy. It's all the two do pieces do, because they go topless. I'm I was like, going to say, ifs. can you do, do topless? And you could, you but I wasn't going to go topless on a boat with my husband's boss. <laughs> did his wife no nobody on the boat did okay and uh <laughs> so i'm like rushing to get all these clothes it's awful and finally we're just like we get enough we go back to the hotel room and the next day you know landon's on the phone we flew with uh so like the main airline <laughs> hub was not we flew with one of their like smaller airlines that you know it's like Lufthansa, but we it's sure. through Air yeah, Canada yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And none of those people had service desks. There's one desk with one man who's like doesn't Has care at it. all. Who's like smoking a cigarette the whole time. And like, and no. their filing system is like, every, everything's done on paper, written down, and like just a stack of papers. See, for real. It's like that. You're like, okay. Remember well, when, I think is, it was you and me when yep, we were in, in Brazil. Brazil. We're like, this is why you'll we're never be a superpower. Power. Yeah, this is exactly it. Oh, the struggling but economy? Sh- Shocker. They're fine with it, though. They're totally fine with it, which is like, we, and there's something <laughs> about, like, if it's in, we call it island time if you're anywhere tropical because throw a pina colada in my hand and I don't care. It's like, not that bad. I'll wait. But in Italy, Italian time, which is like a real thing. What really gets under your skin because there's no, it's like, oh my God, they, they, they Italians are just like, eh, whatever. We don't really, eh, really? Yeah. It's more like the spirit of the law than the letter of the law, but too much. Right. And so this guy didn't give any craps. And so he was like, oh, I'll just take down your info and like, you know, we'll call you when it arrives or whatever. Landon was on the phone. They gave us like a tracking number. He's like tracing it, blah, blah, blah. We go to the airport or the hotel and the hotel's like, yeah, you're probably not going to see that bag for a while. (laughs) So I bet your best bet is to go to the airport and look through, say, I need to look through your luggage room. Shut up. That morning before we got on the boat, we woke up early, went to, took a taxi to the airport. And we went through the luggage room. How much stuff was in there? I never, I didn't go in because then they were like, all this security stuff that, you know, Landon got to go in, but I didn't. All this, it was blah, blah, blah. Because I went to get a coffee because I was waiting for so long and missed the, the you know. Oh, my so God. So he was handling it and everything. But as he, as we w- were at the airport searching through these bags, we I was talking to another woman who had not had her luggage for 14 days the entire time she was on the trip. And it's like they still don't – it's like lost that's, somewhere. That's not acceptable. And it's like, oh, forget it. So like we could have been that had we not gone and actually got our luggage. Thank God we did because I packed perfect for the trip. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, like, got a bunch of cute stuff. I had my sun hat. I had my cute little round bag that was, like, perfect. I'm like, oh, my God, all my outfits, my bathing suits that fit. Yes. Gone. I mean, I thank God I got everything. So it was, like. Did you go to any beaches or was it, like. Well, you know what? No, we didn't because it's not really beach. It's not like you can go to the beach there. And you don't want to go to the beaches there. They pack so many people into one small space because they don't really have a big coastline. So what Mm. the hotels do is they have a beach club. So the hotel will have a beach club that'll be like little section of the place that's reserved with a bunch of different color umbrellas. It's all separated by different colors. So you can see which hotel is like with the oh, certain colors. That's why you yeah. have like collection of red, collection of blue, because it'll be the different hotels, but that's the section of the beach, that beach, quote, Got unquote. Got it, yeah. It is just like a freeway bumper to bumper with towels. And that's one of the luxuries of being on a boat is that you just jump right off the boat and you're in the water there. And one of our best days, there's this cool... A, t- a grotto in Italy, this like cavern called the Blue Grotto, and it's got a big hole in the bottom so that it just glows with blue light, and the whole thing fills up. And we went really early at seven in the morning, and our little dinghy like drives us over there, and we hop out and we swim through the grotto. We're like taking pictures underwater. We're looking at the caves. It's super creepy because it's like a cave, and you have to go through this little teeny tiny hole. And we have so much fun swimming. Well, then we leave. And there are a bunch of Italian men who are like yelling at us. We're like, oh, you have to pay. You have to pay. You have to pay. And we're like, mm, fuck off. We don't have to pay. And you're like, who won't, you don't own the grotto. And it's, and they don't. They were just like, that's what they do is they bring tours. No. Well, then we found out that you're not allowed to swim there. And it's only you're, it's only accessible by little rowboat. And like you, people, you row in but on a little rowboat. you swam there? And I got to swim there. And it was How awesome. did you not get in trouble? Because well, what are they going to do? No, there's nobody's going to get us in trouble. It's not like you're not allowed to swim there. You're just, that's not how they have it set up. They have it set up so you pay, you like start on the dock, you pay $15, you go in the little rowboat. That's you a see, loophole. That's what I said. And the owner, they kept on coming after us, like, no, you owe us $30 or however many I per person. I would paid. That's how stupid I am. The, oh, the, the, All right. The Landon's boss, who was like, you know, the, chartering the boat was like, uh, okay, come and let them, come on your little rowboat and try to chase us down and come collect the money from me. Wow. What are you going to do? Tough guy. Yeah. He's like, You're, I'm not giving you a dime. Like, yeah. you don't own the coast. You don't own the grotto. You don't, this is like, No. Wow. And he's totally right. And so the fact that I got to go into the Blue Grotto in Italy and swim through it is like super exciting Aww, to me. Oh, that's cool. So that was like one of my favorite water. And the water is like a bathtub. Hmm. And it's super salty. So you can just float. Yeah. It's great. But it does horrible things to your hair. Well, I mean, you didn't have the beach, but you did have your beach body. Dude. I have been committed. Do I look fitter to I you? I was going to say, you're busting your butt. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really busting my butt. Every day. Committed. I love that because for a minute you were like not feeling. I know, but I just had to get back on the train and now I'm like, oh my God, I remember how good workout endorphins feel. Yeah. Now I'm like addicted. It is one of those things though where you yep. like objects in motion kind of thing. Totally. But once you get started, yep. then all full tell, throttle. Tell them how to hop on that train. Beachbody on demand. It's basically like the Netflix for workout videos. They have everything from like P90X and Insanity to the stuff I like, which is, you know, minimum impact yoga retreat and things like that. Um, and they have pretty much for every level. And then they have workouts as short as 10 minutes, which are the ones I do that don't require equipment or anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You just do the stuff they tell you and you get fit and you can do it in your hotel room or at home or wherever you are. Um, I really want you to try this service because I don't want to do it alone. And luckily Sarah's been talking about how good you look in your bathing suit. So 
I've been working hard and I just feel stronger. Right now, our listeners can join me and get a special free trial membership when you text uh, Brain Candy to 303030. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, nutrition information, and support totally free. Again, just text Brain Candy to 303030. You do look great. And all I care about is, you know, if you're feeling great. And you so, know what? Can you believe this one? Our brain candy brainiacs are going to be shocked. What? I have not had a single sip of wine since Italy. What? What? I know. Why? I don't know. I've just been like, you know, I'm I'm working out all the time. I'm just like keeping it clean. And I thought maybe after Italy and after doing like going full throttle with the wine oh, really? and the pizza, I was like, maybe I need a little, you know, some cl- good clean living for a week. And do you feel different or no? I feel great right now. Are you going to be breaking that today for our Q&A? A hundred percent. Because it's Friday. I said a week. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I didn't know because I was... There are these moments days, where but, I'm hmm. like, I should do an experiment because like, I want to see like if I sleep, a diff- you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Different things like yeah. that. But then, you know, it's... Whenever you have your relaxed time, you have like mm-hmm. a routine. Yeah. That well, you notice I, know, I noticed the, mo- the, the thing that has made the most impact is not whether I drink wine or don't drink wine, whatever, it's hydration. Oh. It's just making sure that I'm drinking a lot of water and staying hydrated. Yeah. And I think that does, everything is better with that. Well, yeah. I mean, people do say that. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm good. I'm glad that you're feeling good and I'm glad you're going to get wasted today with me. I even think back to the challenges where I won finals and the difference between me winning on a final and me not winning on a final and like gassing out or when I would throw up all the time (laughs) is because I'm dehydrated. And when I started actually working on that and like taking care of my body, shocker, right? It performed in a much better way. Wow! So bring on the wine. Yeah, today's the day. Um, I saw a cool video on Facebook that Sarah Grayson posted, our friend from Road Rules, and it was about why do Disney princesses look like babies? Oh Lord, why? <laughs> I mean, it was sort of like clickbaity because yeah. very little of the video was actually about Disney princesses, but it was talking about how the you know Cinderella and Snow White they they were drawn pretty much like a real human, yeah, you know, more proportional, yeah, and then over time the heads got bigger, mm, the eyes, got the bigger. eyes got bigger, and. Hmm. The the thing that annoyed me about the video was that he didn't really say why. He described the science of why that look is appealing. Oh, yeah, which we know. But he didn't say why, why it need used to, take care to be. Of something. Yeah. Like um huh. He said the body ratio of most of the Disney females is an, uh, of an 8-year-old and Moana even though she's supposed to be I forget, I think it said 16. Mm-hmm. She has the proportions of a 4-year-old. Like in terms of the big head. Uh, okay. But my argument there is that it, are they taking into consideration body types of certain cultures? Because I think that maybe just the look of like like a stockier body may look like a four-year-old or, or like... He was just know. talking about head size to body okay, size. Okay, head size to body size. And eye Not size actual, to... Oh. Whatever. Okay, so yeah, that would make sense. Oh, and then he was pointing out how it's not just Disney princesses that even like Garfield, Pinocchio, um, the mm. Chipmunks, mm-hmm. the drawings of those characters um, have gone more towards what? that big head, big eye look. I wonder wh- how that happened. Right, and I guess it's just something that catches on, 
And then he said that villains are still drawn like adults because they don't aren't uh-huh. meant to be likable. Interesting. But have we made villains look less like people and more like monsters or more like almost dehumanized villains in the same way that we That's a good I wonder. Question. He was just saying that they don't look like babies. They look like yeah, people they don't. and like scary people basically. But also, yeah. Do male characters Get made to look like babies. Let's think. What what about well, Moana had a dad. He looked like Regular. not a, no, not cuz no, he looks like the body rock. was huge. Oh no, no, I'm thinking of that guy. You're thinking of uh her friend. Uh, what the heck is his name? How would we not know his name? Right, it's there's a whole song whole thing. about it. <laughs> oh my god. It's like on the tip of my tongue. Moana <laughs> is Going to find Maui! I mean, for goodness sakes, I just got back from Maui. <laughs> I mean, after, before. It's hard to remember Maui. on the spot. I try to explain this to people. That it's when you're on the mic, it's different. did that feel good when we figured it out? Brain orgasm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Maui. She tried to make me look it up, people. I didn't. <laughs> Sarah. I just, you know, for time's sake. Right. Right, of course. And Christ's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> but wait. And Christ's sake. That's funny. <laughs> the dad, though, was he... He has a big head and big eyes, too, right? Hmm. I don't think so. And what about in Frozen? There's, like, those guys. Yeah, and I think they all Sven. are, like, regs. Finn. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe it's just the ladies. Mm, which then, of course, makes me, like... Annoyed mm-hmm. for being infantilized. They call, they have a term for it called neoteny. Oh, which is essentially like when you breed for cuteness. Uh huh. And you, it's weird though because scientists are trying to figure out why. Let's say you're trying to domesticate an animal, mm-hmm. and you breed for tameness. Mm-hmm. Like there was a scientist who breeded foxes mm-hmm. designed to be tamer, but along with that came other traits floppy ears oh my god big eyes so like cuteness and tameness tameness go to get okay well that kind of makes sense wonder why though because hmm you wouldn't think you wouldn't think that it would actually physically change a characteristic okay no we can think about this okay because we would it would be assumed that Though that there are certain traits that, okay, so like mm-hmm. certain things send the message that um, I'm not dangerous. Mm-hmm. So if you have those things already built in, like ears up mm-hmm. on an animal is like I'm on high alert. Ears down send the message that no, everything's fine here. So if that animal already has characteristics that show that their ears are down, that would probably in some ways be uh like if in the wild would prevent them from um like a uh that would be like a, a disadvantage. Yeah. But for tameness it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. So because your ears are down, you yeah. know? And so like the ears down is a symbol that I'm not aggressive and therefore tame. I get what you're saying. You know? So it's like those those traits go with yeah. It's really just signs of non-aggression. Yeah. You know? It just surprised me, though, because even though I understand what you're saying, the idea that disposition would be accompanied by a physical trait. Yeah, that's... Cr- yeah, but that surprising. really is... is but... Because it's not the same in humans. Right. That is it's true. Only, is there? I mean, they argued that um, 
humans do breed for cuteness. I mean, because that's what attractiveness can be, especially for women. But it's like symmetry, not cuteness. True. And yeah. it's, it's bred for, yeah, it's bred for, it's not cuteness. Tell right. that to, yeah. Well, tameness, because it was saying you have that two like, girls, one in a bikini, one wearing pigtails. In the-, the dude's picking <laughs> the girl in the bikini. Is this the Ginger Marianne? Yes. Debate? Oh my God. <laughs> Except if you're into that thing. Although, like, it did say that humans are different because um, social behavior mm-hmm. is advantageous in our the way mm-hmm. we live yeah. versus some animals, and so tameness was also a breeding, a desirable breeding thing because you don't want someone that everyone hates, right? Because oh, yeah. then your kids would it's be like hateful. Yeah. But Interesting. I don't know. But I don't think there's a physical trait that goes with that. Right. Not at all. Big eyes? No. No. However, Although, <laughs> the there were is. studies that were done <laughs> and they're not very, they don't hold up anymore as well. And it's kind of been like, mm, yeah, <laughs> about physical traits and people who were dangerous or criminals. Remember we talked about that way back then, how thin lips yeah. And eyes that were closer together yeah. or more spread. There's like things about right. faith where they were more aggressive or more. Yeah. We should revisit that. Yeah. Or maybe the scientists could get to work on that <laughs> and see if these overlap because mm-hmm. it seems like it. And, you know, even on the last show when I asked you, like, what did your attacker look like? Yeah. Because, cause, uh-huh. but there's something about that where humans signal behaviors and we we evolutionarily learned what to be scared of versus you know what he did kind of send my red flags up okay with something but it was more like oh but you, you don't know want what to be it judgy was? it was the same look of like kind of like skittish like 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 well now we know why like yeah like, yeah, like, like um I don't know like shifty I, shifty that's the word I'm looking for was shifty is prostitution legal there. In I Italy, know. I don't know. That's a good because no, we, we we can look that up. All right, that's I where she's. Because that. <laughs> so I wonder come up with that one on if my own. he was a little nervous and shifty as a result of it being illegal. Because if it's illegal, he might be um, nervous and act weird. And okay, I don't know. let's see. Um, this guy's getting a lot of airtime. I bet he doesn't listen though. Prostitution is legal. It is not mentioned in the penal code as such. Countrywide? Brothels and pimping are illegal, but single sex workers working for themselves, legal. Wow. I am going to have to think about whether I like that or not. Because I kind of like brothels. And this article, I'll send you this article, The Rise of DIY Prostitution in Italy. (laughs) Good night. And there are a bunch of people protesting, saying sex work is work, which I do support. Absolutely. And I absolutely have marched with the sex workers in San Francisco. Because yeah. I also support them. Yeah, you almost became one. <laughs> I did. I'm like so supportive. I'm like you know. a little too supportive. Yeah, a little too. Um, another thing that's super supportive is whenever you can. This is a terrible transition. <laughs> when you can ship stuff from your house without any hassle. I just signed up for is. my own account. Did you? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, because we have a brain candy account for stamps.com, mm-hmm. and now you have a Sarah Rice one. Right, because I couldn't, I, I can't like, you know, put my own personal stuff on the brain candy. So I, this was really cool. I had a friend who lives in another state who wanted to send me something. And so I got the postage from stamps.com, That's and cool. I emailed her the 
postage. Yeah. She printed it right out, cost her nothing, That's put it in so the mailbox. Cool. Nobody had to do any work. That's awesome. I know. What a and great it was story. such it was so successful to do it. I was like, huh. Why didn't I sign up for this sooner for right. myself? Because yeah. I was like, I could use this for a bunch of stuff. It's so convenient and easy and reliable and efficient, as Sarah said. Um, typically, you wouldn't be sending it to someone else, but sometimes. Some, you never know. And basically, Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service to your fingertips. You print out this, the postage of any size and any weight um, right there, put it on your package, and then they come pick it up. You know, your mail carrier just takes it from your house. And we use stamps.com because it's so simple and it's to me a no-brainer. And right now you too can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in brain candy. That's stamps.com and enter brain candy. Did you do that? Yes, of okay. course. Come on now. I mean, in fact, when the microphone came up, I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what to do. <laughs> and I was like, it's, I, now I get it. And they okay. were like, thanks for listening to the podcast. Or like, your podcast sent yeah. you. Like, they have like a cute little message. Okay, good. Yeah. Check it out, peeps. Um, okay. That was a bad transition. What were you going to say? I have something to say that is completely off topic, but it was yeah. something that I was reminded of when I was listening to the episode that you did with your sister and you yeah. were talking about emojis. Yes. I have a complaint to make. Okay. The direction in which the runner emoji is running. What way do you think the runner should be running if you're typing in a conversation? Oh, because um, it almost seems like they're going backwards. Yes. Yeah. Running over the words I just said. Right. They should be running to- in the way that we read. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, and also because I was trying to say like, like run to the boat or run to the whatever. Yeah. And it, but when it I put those emojis out, it looked like the person was running away from the boat. Yeah. And I'm like that. Turn around. Turn around. And I was like, there's no. They need to flip that, and it's really bugging me. Yeah. Well, do you like how on like Insta story, you can flip it? What? If you pick an emoji and then you tap on it on your screen, it flips the direction, which is great. I need to know that. But then I was also thinking maybe it's because emojis were designed in Japan where they read in the other direction. Maybe. Do they? I didn't even know that. That's how little I know about Asian dialects. I don't know. I know that in Hebrew. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Hebrew is it top to bottom in Japan? Oh, know you know what? No, it is backwards yeah, because all the magazines go the other way. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Thank you. I'm like, did I just make that up? And Lincoln this- just got a Pokemon book and it starts at the okay, back. Good. Yeah. So it's not, yes. Everybody's on the same Maybe, page. Because <laughs> the swimmer is the same way. I always okay. thought that about the swimmer. I'm like, why is he swimming I'm, that way? I'm really annoyed with the runner. It just doesn't send the same. And I feel like it, I, it's very useful. But The dancing like, lady though, she's going the right way. She is. Who else? Who else has motion? Yeah. So like I, I, and the trains are going the wrong way. Everything's going the wrong way. You are so right. And it's making me mad. Yeah. Like unnecessarily mad. <laughs> and I'm like, why do I have the, why is there this Rage. new thing I'm pissed about? And I have A, zero control of it. And B, it had no, affects my life in no way. Like in a hundred episodes, it'll be a study out called like emoji rage. And Sarah yeah. is experiencing it For right sure. now. It's the same frustration as when you go to look for an emoji and you discover they don't have it, like a tape dispenser. There's now no, you're mad about that. Now I'm mad because I, there's no tape. You, you give used me, to be mad about brooms. There weren't any brooms. And they gave us one. Did so, they though? Didn't they give a mop or something? I mean, I've Somebody heard said there's that. like an update where like you get, now there's like cleaning products. Let me look. I'm yeah. not buying it. 
I'm not buying it either, actually, but I don't, I don't, I probably don't have the newest update. That's for sure. I do. And I have not seen a broom. Maybe it's in the works. Yeah. In the works. Where's the suggestion box for these emoji people? Because we know that there is a board of people. Yeah. Who are lodged. so annoying. Fielding these complaints. The skiers going the wrong way. (laughs) The swimmer swimming in the wrong direction. Yeah. It's weird that some of them are going the right way. The like bikers what? biking in the wrong direction. However, the water polo players throwing the ball in the right direction. The, oh, the rowboat, depending on how you look at a rowboat, is I think it is going the wrong direction. Because don't you row when you're facing backwards? When you I mean, row, you know, I don't it's like, row, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, That's not happening. The horse is running in the wrong direction. All the cars are going the wrong way. Except the rocket. The rocket's going in the right direction, and all the airplanes are taking off in the right way. There's a lot of inconsistency. Yeah, you'd think with all the people that are involved in the decision-making, there'd be more... I wrote very few notes about the important things I want to talk about. That was it. That was was number one on the list. Here's what Sarah does. This is classic. So she springs this Italian trip on me, like, last minute, and then she's like, okay, well, anyway, I'll see you in three weeks. And then she's like, but it's fine because I'll have tons to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to be reading the whole time. It's and true. Yeah, but you don't write stuff down. Also true. So then we Because I here- read so much. Did you? Well, like I read books, books or what? I read that Any Man book. Yeah. That I read very, very A- Amber quickly. Tamblin. Yeah, Amber Tamblin book. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. That book's kind of crazy. We talked about that in our book club. Yeah. In a weird way. I felt like I needed to be warned. I didn't know going into it what it was about. It's interesting that you said that because I feel like it wasn't that bad. Oh, God. So that's weird. Maybe it was just the opening part. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. It's a book about rape, but the rapist is a woman. So it's like, I don't know. I wasn't ready. But uh, I also read... The Hate You Give, which is our book club book for this month. Excellent. Can't yeah. wait for that book club. So Yeah, yeah I'm excited too. And we have so many books to give away. You oh, guys should fun. join. Because like um, publishers have sent us some yes. to give away. and But it's also just like I'll cl- if I read it and then I'm ready. I don't keep a lot of books. Yeah, it's good. I think that's because I move so much. Well, and also you're like once you've read it. Usually, what are you going to do with it? You yeah. have already read it. You, but some people like to surround themselves I with do. books. Well, and also a lot of the books I read are like psychology books and stuff like that. But I feel like I could reference yeah, or sources. for a certain client, I can photocopy a page or whatever. Yeah. So, you know. All right. Well, let me move on then because I did have stuff to talk about, <laughs> Sarah. More than just emojis? Um. Okay. Oh, this is fun. And in my defense, one of the things I was going to talk about was that study uh, of all the dating stuff, and you already talked about it in another episode without me. Yeah, because so. I had to record an episode <laughs> without you. And you're mad. Okay, okay. I stole your material. Right. That's exactly it. Okay. This was interesting. The, t- the headline of the Atlantic article was, Why People Are More Beautiful in Groups. Oh, I've heard about this. What? This also is, this is they say there's like a... They've talked about this in some funny movie where I like think you're guys referring look to, at a group. Of I think women. you're referring to an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Yes, I am. Yeah, yes, the, I am. Yeah, I am. It's called the cheerleader effect. Yes, that is exactly it. Yeah. Tell Why me do you think everything. though? Like, what is your theory about it? Oh my god. Huh. I mean, they just Maybe, have a theory. Okay. It's not like we know Here's for sure. Here's my theory. Okay. That we naturally first find the 
like w- the best pieces of mm. somebody. Like we look at, I'd look at you and I'd be like, oh gosh, she's got great arms and great boobs and mm-hmm. like, you know, nice lips. And then I'd look at the next person. I wouldn't notice your flaws first. I mm. wouldn't be like, oh, that person. I would notice the things okay. that stand out. Then I'd go to the next person. And I'm like, oh, that person has a great butt. And then they look at me. Oh, she's got a great ass and she's got like cool tattoos. And yeah. like, look at that cool hair. And then in their mind, I think they put it's like one them together. Maybe. That's my yeah. theory. Maybe. I don't know. But then it would stand to reason, though, that if that person were still by themselves, that you would still focus on those good things. But there wouldn't there I wouldn't be saying, another one to then amplify it. Okay. Like, yeah. To add to that. Yeah. This was saying that like the theory is that when you have a group, that any sort of weird uh, huh. parts yeah. of somebody get averaged out. So the extreme, like maybe if some, one of the women on the cheerleading squad has a really big nose and it's not attractive. Uh-huh. Yeah. But like. Most of them don't. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. like it averages out to be like one cute nose. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, but, but if it, they all had big schnozzes, they'd be like that whole group. No, they would still um, consider them more attractive than if they rated them individually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, my God. That's so weird. Yeah. So we should always travel in packs is what you That's you're what it said. Oh, my that, God. That, this like, is probably why sorority girls are more successful on the college campus than the weird nerdy girl. <sighs> Dude. And frat boys. Oh my God. Because I have been really forgiving of some gentlemen's looks when they're in a group and especially their intelligence level too. Does it say anything about that? It doesn't, but I bet one thing that I would add to the theory is that you, you assume that if someone's surrounded by people that they have redeeming qualities and stuff, which makes them more attractive. Uh huh. But it was, um, social, they're higher on the social hierarchy. Yeah. Which is what, what we're really looking for in a mate anyway, even if we don't know we are. But the, the thing, the, Attractive quotient mm-hmm. is higher, even if you're just with one other person, like me and you. Mm-hmm. We look cuter yeah. than if we were by ourselves, and twice as much, twice more like Reese Witherspoon. Two times, <laughs> two times more like Reese Witherspoon. Right, right. They even pointed out like the Spice Girls. Oh yeah. Like when they're together, it's like whoa, whoa, oh my hot, God. hot, hot. You're totally right. But then by themselves, it's like yeah, it's fine. Except that Victoria Beckham. Woo! Damn. I mean, actually, all of them are pretty good. Looking. But you know what? Now I get what you're saying, though. I, I mean, they're not as good looking as my new Sir- sheets. Oh, yes. but they are good looking. Yes. Brooklyn and sheets, baby. Whether the winner of the best online bedding category, you've heard us talking about mm-hmm. them. They get softer with every day. Are you sleeping on these yet, guys? Oh, I thought you were asking me. I'm like, yes, I am, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, well, I know you are. I got them for Lincoln. They have cool designs too, so you can mix and match like one polka dot for your pillowcases and then stripes for Love your it. bed sheets or whatever. Um, and it's basically like having those fancy hotel sheets, but at your house and they are sold online. And so they don't have that markup of the luxury bedding. And we think you should get them. Brooklyn and sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept mm-hmm. on. com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get $20 off. Plus free shipping when you use our code BRAIN at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so sure you'll love uh, the new sheets that they'll offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAIN 
at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BRAIN, Brooklinen. Those the best sheets ever. Um, but yeah, that group thing is weird to me. Yeah. I mean, hmm. it makes sense because when you think of examples, you're like, yep. And yep. like people on the challenge, cause we watch that. God, totally. In the group shot, you're like, whoa. But then individually, uh, you're like, mm, okay, just regular. Yeah. Um, d- does a big group of, yeah, even a big group of average people always look more attractive. And they say that it's true both of people and objects. What? Like a group of objects. I, I was thinking of like your vases, your pretty um, mid-century oh, yeah. vases. Yeah. They're all beautiful, but like they're probably more beautiful as all a group. Together. That's totally true. Huh. Yeah. And then I think now that you say that, I would imagine like that about a, like a parking lot of cars. Ah. Oh. Like if you look at the park, because then you could also look at dings and scratches and it's almost like how much attention are you giving that individual one yeah. versus looking at the big picture. This is kind of a metaphor. Right. We shouldn't look at the individual and their Don't judge flaws. a book by We need to just look at the big, step back and see the big picture. How does this person exist within the context that, they, that you see? That's real with? nice, Sarah. I'm just, you know, trying to be full circle therapist over here. <laughs> She's waxing philosophical yeah, on today's show. Yes, there you go. Do you want to hear the oral history of Four Loco? <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yes, yes. Please. Well, I was talking on the Q&A last week about how <laughs> I was joking about how you're like, you'll come in to record two, three episodes and you're like, yeah, I don't have much. But the good part is <laughs> if I say, well, can you believe? I already have four stories about four <laughs> lo- a story for each local. I'll be- <laughs> like if I say, can you believe rocking chairs? You'll be like, Oh my God, I was just talking. I can think of two stories off the top of my head about rocking chairs too. (laughs) So it's like fine. Have you ever priced those things out? They're outrageous. (laughs) All right. So you tell me your four loco story and then I'll talk to you about the history. Uh, Well, one weird experience that I had just before I came to your house, not today, but at another time before I came to a podcast. Okay. You told me to stop off at 7-Eleven and get you probably probably Diet Coke. Coke. (laughs) Um, So... It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I go up to the <laughs> register to pay for my Coke. Yes. And standing in front of me is... Oh, no. And I would... This Indian woman dressed in traditional Indian garments who probably is in... I would say she's like uh, maybe like late 40s, early 50s. Three, four locos in her hand. No. And I was like, I want to know the story as to why this woman, she didn't look like she, I, I, like. She didn't look local. She didn't look like the target market for four locos. Indeed, so I'm she's like, not, did, Sarah. Did, is somebody asking her to go buy these four locos? Does she, is she secretly an alcoholic and this is her beverage of choice? It's too early in the morning to be cracking one of those bad boys open. <laughs> and if you've even tried to have one, you anybody knows that three of them. I don't even, I think that's above like lethal levels of loco. <laughs> have you ever had one? Yes. Because we see how many stories I, know. I have. <laughs> I used to go on a yearly camping trip with, and we would still do it if we, you know, lives didn't, weren't so busy, but I go on a week, a yearly camping trip with the, um, camp counselors that I went, you know, we did the summer yeah. camp with and we would just go camping all together at the old campsite. Like we would do this, you know, out 
like um, off-roading almost camping where you're just like, there's no actual campsite. We're just like camping in the woods somewhere. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we would do every year is like to, to kick it off is you'd have to drink a whole four loco because that's... Each stuff, person. Yeah. And you'd have like all night, like finish the four loco. I still have never done it oh, because it's how like many two, ounces there? We it's, I mean, it's like a, a one of those huge Arizona ounces. iced teas, like big. Oh. But the problem isn't that it's like so sugary and has so much caffeine, and so like you're like drunk but can't go to bed, and it's it's mis- that, to me that's horrible. So like, <laughs> but they. The experience of any individual who has finished a four loco is just fun to watch because they're like. You know, right? All drunk and can't sit well, down. In this oral history, it described it as it gives it gets you drunk, but gives you energy to act on your poor judgment. Yes, there you go. So it's like a show if they're going to finish it. <laughs> and then it was banned. They were like made a. Le- okay, so now I'm giving yeah. you the history. <laughs> so now you've heard my experience with Four Loco. Sarah, she's telling us everything she ever heard <laughs> so, about Four Loco. <laughs> please, Susie, tell us about Four Loco. Well, so they of course had the people that created it in the article talking about like what their vision was and. And how they came to create this product, and then they chose the camouflage can, mm-hmm. which, funnily enough, they said they chose because it stands out, which <laughs> <laughs> no one pointed out how stupid that is. Um, but they- <laughs> that, that tickled me. <laughs> and they were saying, like, they did all these taste tests, and like, they w- it would call each flavor a fruit, but really it was like, like red yeah. or this is yellow. Yeah. It wasn't really no. anything that tastes like no. a fruit. And um like Arctic Freeze. What the fuck flavor is Arctic Freeze? <laughs> right. Is that what they have? It's probably Gatorade flavor, but close enough. <laughs> and the somebody described it as the cheapest, not gross way to get really drunk. So like it's palatable enough. Yeah. It's not tasty. No, no. one's saying it's tasty, but it's okay. Yeah. And then there's so much caffeine in it and so much alcohol that you get wasted. And then I was annoyed because the people in the article that worked for Four Loco or created it were angry that it ended up getting banned. So they would mention like, so a couple of people died <laughs> and it was always young kids, you know? Yeah. Because they're binge drinking the stuff. And because it's marketed to them. Yes. As you pointed out, the Indian woman in her traditional... Arapaho, right. <laughs> she wasn't that kind of Indian, but whatever. She is <laughs> actual Indian, not Native American. Yeah. Yes. She is not the target demo. No. And that's what. At all, which is why I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. And the people that they interviewed from, like the New York Laker board, were like, clearly this was designed for people that were underage or very young mm-hmm. drinkers. Mm-hmm. And. <sighs> They it's can't awful. handle it. They can't no. make those choices. I can't even drink a regular energy drink. <laughs> what happens to you? It's, I mean, I've never done crack. It's like Tigger. But I would imagine that it's like that. I oh. cannot... I mean, I'm like all over the place. Yeah. And I feel out of control. They had... Apparently, there was a guy that wanted to demonstrate the, the problems with Four loco, and he was supposed to drink four of them. Oh my and he could only do two yeah. before he you was can't even like physically puking and yeah, like that's just... why it was a challenge to drink one because it's like, let's see, you could do it. Wow, mm-hmm. you can't do it. So now you can buy four locos, and the, whatever that woman was buying is still called four loco, but it doesn't have that um, same alcohol content and yeah. same caffeine level. Yeah, and they were like, 
oh, what are you going to do, ban Red Bull and vodka too? But Red Bull and vodka isn't specifically marketed towards right. young people. And it and doesn't look like... You don't have to drink that much. Yeah. You could just have one right. glass of it. Oh, my God. And the sugar content alone. I think that... And the blue dye number, every single yeah. number. Yeah. Like when my husband was a kid, they told him he had a thing where if he had that blue dye, what? it changed him. Like, I don't know if they'd call it an allergy exactly, but it was like a reaction. Yeah. And so he had to remove it from his diet because it would make him like crazy, which I'm sure is oh true for gosh. a lot of people. I wonder if my brother had a lot of behavioral problems. They said it was probably, I wonder if it was a dye. They can do like those things now where it's like you eliminate one thing at a time yeah. and see yeah. what the control, you know, you have a control yeah. group kind of thing. Wow. And then you can like reintroduce mm-hmm. things. And then if you start acting crazy again, you know what caused it. Yeah. But anyway, for loco is is loco. I don't I have never had one and I have no it's desire. But they said it was like an experience. Mm. Yes, yeah, so is like a lobotomy or like a, <laughs> right. But I don't know. But anyway, we have a guest. Ooh, who are we talking to? Um, her name is Leah Frankie. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And she wrote a wonderful book called America for Beginners. Mm. It's funny because you began this episode by saying like you're over traveling. Over it. But this book is about a woman from India, funnily oh enough, gosh. who um, decides to come to America for one of these, apparently there's these tours that they offer Um to people from India and places like that. And it's like a road trip mm-hmm. and you stop at different places. Yeah. But she's here looking for her son and it's really beautifully written. Um, before I introduce her though, if you do have a son or a daughter or a dog or anything like that, you should try care.com. Or if you have a house and you want someone to clean it, yes. care.com is an easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in your family when and where you need it. Um, whether it's caregivers, nannies, sitters, housekeepers, senior care, dog walkers, whatever Mm -hmm. you're in need of, you can go on there and find people, um, who would like the job and you can choose from, from them. And it's basically the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. I've used it to find babysitters. Sarah's worked for them before. Um, it just makes your life simpler and it has everything all in one place all right, so here's the scoop. Um, to save 30% off Care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash brain candy when you subscribe. That's to save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash brain candy when you subscribe. Um, uh, as you guys know, I'm not super into fiction, but I was so um, impressed with this book because the author is not of Indian descent, but she... Really? Yeah. Her husband is. Oh, that's so cool. She captured... She really did and described a lot about the culture and especially the food, which I was really I love into. Indian food. Right? It's so good. It made me so hungry. I told her that. I'm like, oh. I'm salivating right now. Right? I'm thinking about it. Well, Indian. we do need to eat. I mean, if, if we're honest here. <laughs> um, but America for Beginners, it's really uh, fun and thoughtful um, book and it was fun to interview her. So have a listen and make sure you get Leah Frankie's book, America for Beginners. First of all, thanks for coming on the show, but more importantly, congratulations on your book, man. Oh, thanks so much. Thank How are you, you feeling? 
I feel great. I mean, I'm really happy this story is out in the world. I'm happy people are reading it. It feels great. And do you feel weird now that it's being consumed by others? Uh, a little. I mean, I think it's always a more vulnerable position. You you make this thing. You you want to share it with people. That's the point of it. But then, you know, you also open it up to be kind of cracked open and disliked and liked in a different way than you intended. So it's a little yeah. vulnerable, but it's a good, it's a good feeling. Good Whenever thing. you've been hearing the feedback, because I assume, you know, after your, you know, the book lo- comes out and then people read it and have feedback, like what has surprised you that they focus on that you didn't expect? Well, there's a couple things. I mean, most, most, most stuff has been incredibly gratifying, just really seeing all these details that I wove in or seeing connections that I didn't even really think that much about. I, I just hmm. wrote the story and I, I thought I knew everything about the story and people come in with insights <laughs> that's just like, oh my God, that's so true. Wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I could have uh, sworn I knew this story. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think some people, it's also, uh, it's a testament to taste, right? Some people yeah. wish that the trip started faster and the story is about a road trip. Yeah. Uh, or at least there's a road trip in the trip and some people wish that, you know, but it started faster and some people really like when it starts and I really like when it starts. So I'm, I'm sad for the people who wanted something different. I'm very happy for the people who are happy. How weird. Um, I can't believe people even yeah. say that. Like, I wish it started sooner. That's interesting to me. I guess people well, get I, really invested in stories and then they feel like it's their own a bit. Yeah, which is a great thing. I mean, I definitely have had um, people who talk about what they would have liked in the story. Um, that they wished, you know, one what some one one person said they wished that they'd gotten lost. Oh, um, which is a cool idea. Um, uh, but but mostly people have just uh, had really great insights about sort of like the way that these themes echo across different characters. And that's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. That's amazing. <laughs> well, the book is really beautiful and I'm so excited for our listeners to read it. Um, and I'm just wondering... As a writer, if this type of story comes to you all at once or it, it was something that over time manifested in your mind? I definitely think that um, different elements of the story layer in over time. Hmm. I had a central idea of a tourist tour of the United States um, geared towards Indians uh, because that's an experience that my husband and his family have had in the United States, and I was really fascinated by it, and the tour organizers were Indians, and I was really fascinated by the idea of, like, taking a tour <laughs> organized by your, the people of your country, rather right. than the country you're visiting. Like, I would never want to do that. That sounds insane. <laughs> so um, that that idea was always very, like, the center of this, and I really had this, I really had this widow in mind, this, this mm. woman looking for her son, and I think that the Pretty quick on the heels of that came sort of, okay, if it's a Bengali widow, if it's an Indian widow, then who's the most, what's the juxtaposition of that in her guide? And it became, Bangladesh came really quickly. Um, and then the rest kind of layered in, yeah, like like different elements in different times. I think the core story was there from the, from the first draft onward. I started imagining all these other people, and they all seemed to sort of live in the story with these people. And I think... Uh, uh, the story of Paval's son and uh, Jake, that was there from the beginning. That really came, uh, that all came up together. But a lot of the other plot points and um, secondary characters, they, they layered on with time. 
One thing that I so really seed, but not a totality. Right, and I can't even conceive of it because I I couldn't I could never write anything like this. So I'm always fascinated by that process. <laughs> but um, one of the things I was really grateful for as a reader was that you acknowledge the ways in which humans are so similar and have, you know, like pain and, and joy and mourning and all of these things that are universal, but you also acknowledge these huge differences that people, that ex- we experience of within cultures and amongst cultures. And mm-hmm. I wondered, uh, cause do you, are you an expat now? Yes, technically, I guess I am. I live in Mumbai. Um, I just wonder what it's like for you. Well, you know, what it's like for me is um, it's challenging, (laughs) I would say. Um, Although that's a much bigger, I have a a much bigger response to that, which I'll say in a second. I would say that, you know, when I first wrote this book, um, when I I wrote America for Beginners, um, especially, I mean, I, I wrote the last couple of drafts after having moved to Mumbai, but I really conceived of the story and started it while in the United States. Ah. Um, but I was already with my husband, mm. uh, who is from Calcutta. Um, and I was already sort of acquainted with and starting to connect with my in-laws, which also represented my husband has a huge Punjabi family, so like a huge yeah. <laughs> Indian family, um, who started to reach out to me, who I started meeting. I started... Um, sort of engaging in in a sort of culture clash with India personally in my relationship, in my um, in-law relationship. And I really wanted to connect with my new family. And I already knew I was going to be moving to India. So I was sort of activated in my investigation of the Indian experience in the United States and sort of now have been activated in my experience of the American experience in India because that's like the reality I'm living in now. Was it intimidating for you as an American to write so intimately about another culture? Because I would be frightened. Um, it wasn't, I, I mean, it, it's always intimidating to, um, I, I think that it was less intimidating as a writer than it was as a person. Yeah. Uh, because it was my, like, my literal life experience was marrying a person of another culture, mm. joining a family of another culture. Um, and I think that that, you know, they could, they came side by side, right? Like a lot of the, I mean, I wouldn't say the fear dissipated, but it, I, I, I needed to learn about India because I was going to be living in India. Mm. And uh, because even if we hadn't been going to India, I was going to be with an Indian. Yeah. And we're so affected by where we're from culturally. And my parents are also a culturally mixed marriage. Um, my father's family is from, and most most of them are, I have them are still in Puerto Rico. And my mom's family uh, are Russian Jewish. Yeah, man. And I grew I, up with. I read that, and okay. I was like, I'm super jealous of this chick. Like, that's the coolest combo <laughs> I ever heard in my life. Well, it's a very talkative combo. <laughs> very emotive, talkative combo, very argumentative combo. So I'm happy about all that. But it's a, it's a good, it's a good storytelling combo because it's definitely two cultures, a life path, a life express, a life stories. And I think that trying to navigate my own identity from an early age of like, um, okay, these are two pieces of me and I have to kind of learn about them both as an insider because I'm, I'm yeah. of them, but I'm also not 100% of them. Uh, and so I have to look at them, investigate them as an outsider too. So I think I had I had to sort of grown up with that, um, and then getting together with somebody of another of a, a third culture was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is just what you do: marrying somebody or 
dating somebody or being with somebody, uh, you're always looking at another culture, uh, especially that culture is like important to your identity. Yeah. Mine is my dual culture is mine, and my husband's culture is his. So yeah, I, mean, I was intimidated in the sense of like, um, uh, there is so much to learn. This is an entire country so foreign to me. I did not know a lot about India before I got together with my now husband. Um, but I wasn't. I, I think I wasn't. It didn't seem like something that was um, the first time I'd ever done something like this. Yeah, it was just maybe the first time I'd done it on this scale. Well, you did a freaking great job, and I was. Um, honestly, it was so amazing to me how well you created these, uh, relationships, but also the feelings that they were experiencing and described them in a way that the reader could be like, Oh, I know that feeling. Um, (laughs) and the characters have been fished out of water. Yes, exactly. That that feeling. And that's pretty, pretty universal in a way. And it seemed like intentional that there weren't the people were complicated in the way that they really are in real life and that there aren't heroes and villains in the way that it would be convenient in a movie and i was wondering there's a character one of the main characters is a widow as you said and her husband had he's kind was he the most uh, like a villain in the story or was that yeah, just I, me I projecting guess, i guess he was the most the vil- yeah there's, if there's a villain of the piece um, and I definitely, I definitely think it's a credit to all the people who read this book and, uh, helped me work on it and make it better, uh, including my many readers, my agent, my editor, that all of them helped me make him less of a villain. Mm. I think he was like super one dimensional in my, in my original, <laughs> uh, just like sheer evil, but, um, which isn't really true of humanity. But yeah, if I think, that, I think if it's a villain, it's, um, I mean, I think that's, yeah, Rom developed, uh, deceased husband is a villain because he wants the world to be what he wants it to be. Yeah. And he cuts any part of it off that doesn't fit into that. Well, and, and I think that's, you, that's you know, true villainy. And if me. you wrote his story, I'm sure there would be, we would better understand how that came yeah. to be. And you did a great job of putting it into the context of culture. Um, but sure. I just felt like, you know, this is a guy that we know, I feel like everybody knows a guy or has a dad possibly like this person where you aren't going to please him and he wants things the way he wants it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just sort of unwilling to forgive others for being yeah. anything but what he wants. And I think I always imagine people like that are incredibly unhappy. Hmm. Although maybe they're not. Maybe they're drunk on their own sense of self-righteousness. But I think <laughs> that um, for me, that character certainly uh, although although he's 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 dead before the novel begins, I think there's a what I'm what I'm trying for is a deep unhappiness. Most people, I think their their villainy comes from unhappiness. Yeah, um, one of the characters in the book is gay and uh, ends up leaving India as a result. And I was just thinking about the way that the immigration uh, debate currently is happening and how prejudice is informing a lot of fears that people have about people that don't look like them maybe coming into the country. And I thought it was interesting that he's escaping India because of a prejudice about his sexuality, but then in many ways we're doing the same thing uh, to try to keep people out. Um, Was that, how does it feel to have that storyline come come to be during this time of consternation about immigration? Well, I think, um, 
I think for me, I guess I feel like, first of all, um, right now, I, I, I genuinely believe that the point of the United States, the promise of the United States is uh, open borders, yeah. um, openness to others. That's what that's 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 the country I love. Yeah, uh, that's what I think we should be, um, and that's the best of us, I believe. Personally, um, I think that um, when it comes to, to sort of understanding immigration, a lot of what we're looking at right now in terms of immigration, um, and, and, and I think really what we've been looking at since September 11th. Um, mm in terms of immigration from countries whose religions we fear, mm-hmm. which is sort of separate from our sort of, you know, immigration from countries whose yeah. people we fear. I don't know. Yeah. I guess they're the same. Well, there's a lot of overlap for sure. There's a lot of overlap, but there's also like a lot of difference in terms of, you know, um, new world immigration, immigration from South Central and North America, yeah. and then like immigration from abroad and how we look at those and where and to draw lines in terms of, um, not we, where our government is currently trying to draw lines in terms of who is acceptable and who is unacceptable. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, it makes me incredibly sad. I yeah. think that our, I, I can honestly say as a, as a, as a product of uh, previous waves of immigration, that uh, um, I I think that the promise of the United States as an open space has always been both true and false. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been longstanding quotas and um, uh, denials of asylum to yeah. immigrants yeah. all over the world for the entirety of the United States history. Uh, I think we're so much more aware of it right now, and maybe that's a good thing, because our awareness can help yeah. us be better. Um there, there certainly were a series of pretty intense quotas um, before and after the Second World War. And I think a lot of people don't know about those, maybe. I don't know. Yes, um, for sure. I don't know about sort of, you know, the systematic, um, I think our country had a systematic sense of who is a good immigrant and a bad immigrant. And that's always been the case. I was so States. happy and, when, at the point of the story when uh, one of the characters is confronted with her own uh, feelings about sexuality and by meeting somebody who happened to be the thing that she feared, it maybe perhaps shifted her worldview ever so slightly even. <laughs> and maybe yeah, we I can mean, hope for that. No, I think it's absolutely. Look, you know, the thing is that I grew up, I grew up in a city. Um, I've lived in, I've lived in coastal cities of the United States all my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we live in diverse places like urban centers, we um, are not so consumed with our fear of the other because the other is among us. We are the other. Yeah. Often. yeah. Um, and and we recognize the other is us or the other wants exactly what we want. And most people want the best lives possible for themselves and their families. But when you live without the other, if you live in a, a state of homogeny, I think that all other is frightening because it just represents the unknown. And the best way to eradicate fear is to make it known yeah to make the other known so to be to be closer to the thing which you fear i think that i think yeah i think yeah hate hate is just is just fear magnified when um them? and so go ahead meeting somebody from another yeah me i think it, it becomes about the person and if you can meet somebody who shifts you in you a little bit it just shows you have the capacity for change and that means you can keep changing which yes. I find hopeful. there is hope 
Um, I think so. One of our, our so. friends of the show is named Phil Rosenthal, and he goes around and eats food all over the world and hopes that when people sit down and laugh and eat together, then they can, you know, change each other's points of view, which is another way that your book did such a great job of <laughs> accomplishing that. It made me so hungry. I can't even, like, I, I couldn't <laughs> quit thinking about the food. And I was wondering, what is the, what are the odds you feel that uh, Indian cuisine in the U.S. will, like, pick up the pace here and get some things going that aren't so uniform? <laughs> Um, you know, it all comes down to uh, it, it comes it comes down to an educated palate, like an educated consumer palate, um, and people from that region. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that what we're seeing right now with Chinese food in the United States is a really nice indicator of what like Indian food would be. Yeah, because when I was growing up, Chinese food meant one thing: yeah. <laughs> it was American and Chinese. And if you were lucky in New York City had, like, a, a decent Chinese population, it might be, like, fairly Cantonese, right? Yeah, right. Cantonese immigrants at some point in time. You could have, like, super Americanized or you could have slightly more Cantonese, and that was it. And then at some point, growing up, the Szechuan arrived, mm-hmm. and we were like, what is this story? <laughs> and now Xi'an, and now sort of, like, more and more subtlety of region, and five types of them, right? And, like, not your mom's Szechuan. And I'm like, my mom doesn't mean <laughs> Szechuan. That's amazing. Um you know, and so much. And look, I, it, it, this may be more urban. Like this is this is defined by urban spaces where there's a huge restaurant consumer culture, uh, and often an immigrant culture. So I know that you know there's obviously a lot more going on in terms of Chinese cuisine than you know sure. in cities yeah. than there might be in like Boise. But like, let's, let's not roll Boise out. Maybe there's something great happening there. I don't know. <laughs> and so I think that India could, you know, like Indian food is so incredibly. Um, complex and uh, it changes like every um 75 miles wow. and there's so much and I've, I've just learned so much about food uh or about indian food since i moved to india there's so much nuance there's so much um variety but i think you know if, if there's a if there's a growing demand we can get there because i think that london's getting there and like the London food scene is sort of expanding in its definition of indian food all right well but maybe it'll probably it'll, take a long time yeah. for some people to like You got to start somewhere, but maybe they can, you know, move over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. We ask everybody one thing uh, at the end, which is uh, what do you keep in the trunk of your car if you have a car? Do you have a car? I don't have a car. Okay. Do you have like a bag that you carry around? Always. I always have a (laughs) car. What do you keep in there? Um, I would keep a book. Mm hmm. Uh, right now, I have The Wild Girl by Kate Forsyth. Ooh. I really loved her book, Bitter Greens, and so I'm reading this now. Okay. Um, I always have my wallet. That's boring. Um, I have a, a reusable coffee cup because I'm trying to avoid... Oh, that's great. Um, ...plastic. Yes. I usually have, like, 12 different lipsticks, none of which I ever wear. <laughs> um, I always have, a, like, a tote bag so I can, like, go grocery shopping yes. at any given time. I'm loving this. Um and right now I have a bunch of postcards from the Norman Rockwell Museum. <gasps> so I just visited my friend up in uh, northern Mass or in, I guess southern Massachusetts, and we went to the Norman Rockwell. Museum. How was it? It was awesome. Oh my gosh! How interesting. Very American. That was great. That is a very good bag. I'm very impressed. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I, which though reminded me, what made you choose to have your characters visit that glass museum? So, um, 
there are a lot of real tours that exist that I researched that are geared towards Indian uh, tourists. And many of them have the Corning Glass Museum on them. Mm. And I don't know why. Yeah. It seems like a really <laughs> crazy thing. Um, also, like, it's always the beginning of the trip because most trips start in New York City yeah. and end in San Francisco. So, like, you're buying a bunch of very vulnerable baggage <laughs> yeah, to is... carry with you across America. This seems dumb. But there, it's, I think it's because it's, like, halfway between um, Niagara and Harrisburg, yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. For a lot of these stops. So I don't know why, but I, I put it on there because it's on there. And wow. I visited it. It was awesome. Was it? Yeah. It's I mean, if you're into glass, it was really cool. <laughs> Right. I mean, it sounded cool. And that's why I thought this must be a shout out. Like you're super into this glass museum. So you put it no, in. I'm re- <laughs> no, I'm really not. <laughs> no, I have, I have no interest. Oh in my glass. God. I mean, I mean, beyond like, the normal person. <laughs> no, this is a real thing. And I just think it's so weird. I want to go there to, now. It had to get on the trip. Like that, that had to be there. That's I really love that. I'm going to go there now. Like I have to. You it's- should. It's great. <laughs> Is it like is glass. it truly as massive as you describe? It's really big for a museum devoted to glass. Oh my god! All right, well, good to know. Um, you're officially off the hook. I love your book so much; it's beautiful. Thank you. I Thanks can't so believe much. the talent that is in one person, and I hope you keep writing because uh, you're amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's incredibly kind. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, and I'll let you Thanks know when we post me. it. You're amazing. Please do. I'm excited to reshare it. Thanks, it. Leah. Thank you. Congrats again. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.